This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Continue along the course that we have been uh, uh, progressing on regarding spiritual warfare. And my, my portion of this teaching, um, we're going to refresh, refresh you out a little bit because we, we, we had a little, a little gap, is putting on the armor of God. So we're talking about spiritual warfare, putting on the armor of God. This is activity that, that, that you get to be involved in, putting on the armor of God. So when we look at Ephesians chapter 6, I like to start at verse 10. It says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And I love that we include verse 18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And so we say that what is this armor? This, this armor is, is the Holy Spirit at work in the believer. The armor of God, whenever we hear in Scripture that God has given something, that God has given something, we know that what God has given, what Jesus Christ has left us with is the Comforter, that he's given us the Holy Spirit. And so this is, this is to help us to better understand how the Holy Spirit is at work in the believer. You know, a lot of times we, um, you know, you, you get a gift and you, you say, well, what else is there? Well, is that, is that all of it? Don't I get something? I, I, I know I got that last week, but don't I get something else? You know, what have you done for me? But God has given us the Holy Spirit. And it is so much more than you can even imagine. There's so many facets to it. You can't even comprehend the blessings that are in store for you, the work that God can do through you by His Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit is all sufficient for the believer once we activate it, once we put it to use. And so Paul is writing this letter to this church, and this letter is written for us also so that we can better understand. How is it that I'm supposed to operate? How, how is it that I'm supposed to, to treat? How, how am I supposed to use the Holy Spirit in my life? There's nothing like having a tool that you don't know how to use. There's nothing like giving somebody something and they don't know what to do with it. You're like, oh, what do you, what, you know? You give them a car, they back up, they, they tear up your, your garage coming out of it. You're like, what in the world? What did you... You know, you give them a, you give them a computer, they, they got viruses all over. You're like, what in the world? What did you... You know, there's nothing like giving someone something and they don't know how to use it. They don't know how to make effective use of it. But God has given us the Holy Spirit and, and the word is given so that we can understand how to make effective use of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So 
the intended use of, of the armor of God is so that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And so we talk about spiritual warfare, and we said before that this warfare, we're not out, we're not out devil hunting, right? We're not looking for ghosts and hates. We're not out trying to, trying to, trying to find, you know, evil spirits to cast out. No, the, this spiritual warfare is so that we can stand and to withstand the attacks of the enemy so that we can stand in the purpose of God and to withstand the attacks of the enemy. Because that's where the battle is. It's not, it's not in you going out trying to change everybody else. It's in you trying to, to remain firm in the faith and the gospel that you've been given. It's in you maintaining your confession. So the gospel is not about this, this, this armor, this warfare. It's not about you trying to change your spouse. It's not about you trying to change your child. It's not about you trying to take this nation back. But it's about you maintaining your integrity. You maintaining your focus. You directing your activities to be within the will and the purpose of God. So that's what the armor is for. You know, when a soldier has on armor... In, you know, apologies, I'm just using the illustrations from, from the scripture. The, the, the closest thing I have is, uh, you know, way back, way back um, in middle school. So that far back when I, when, I, when I was on the team. And, you know, always when you look at hindsight, you know, you weren't just on the team. You were the star athlete, right? You know, you. But, but they, they issued us, um, you know, pads, right? At a certain, at a certain time of the year, they would, we would get issued pads. And the equipment that you that you got needed to fit a certain way it couldn't be too big or too small the armor needs to be a part of you so that you so that when you're wearing it that it's almost like it's a it's a second skin it's not it's not something that's foreign to you it's not something that you trip over it's not something that that you stumble over that that hinders you but it's a part of what it is that you're trying to accomplish the armor of god needs to be like that for you it needs to be like a, a, a well-tailored suit that, that hits your shoulders just right and falls around your waist the perfect way. It, has, it needs to be like, like that dress that you always like to pull out and wear because it, it, it shows off, you know, whatever you're trying to, to, to highlight. The armor of God needs to be something that, 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 you, that you are comfortable putting on because it's, it's, it's effective and it's, and it's useful to you in your, in, in, in your Christian walk. It needs to be something that, 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 you, would, that you, would, you would fain to walk out of your house without it. That you would think, there's no way, wait, something's missing. You know, sometimes I walk out of my house and I leave my wallet. I'm like, there's something, my wallet, what's my keys, what's something, is not right. I'm, something's missing. I, I, I need to put on something. And so the armor of God needs to, be, needs to be just like that in your life. And so we talked about that the armor is it's given from God. And that we need to put on all the armor. That there's not optional pieces of armor. We can't gird our loins with truth and say, well, I'm not going to have the helmet of salvation. I'm not going to use the sword of the spirit. I'm not going to be prepared with the gospel of peace. No, we, the armor is intended for you to put on, all, put on the whole armor of God. Put on the whole armor. All the armor is useful to the believer. It is effective for the believer. You know, but the armor, it's not going to, it doesn't have any effect in and of itself. It has to be put on by the believer. You know, I, I like to watch, um, you know, different shows or whatever. And they talk about police officers that, that in, in some cities that they are required to wear 
their bulletproof vests. If they go out on patrol and they're not wearing their bulletproof vests and they get injured, that they are actually are, are liable because they didn't have on that vest. And they even say, oh, but it's 100 degrees. No, you're still required to put on that you're not allowed to be out without it. And so the armor of God, we need to put on the whole armor of God that we can't afford to be, that we cannot afford to be without the armor. We cannot afford to, to be outside, to have to leave it behind or to, or to set it aside because it's, it's, it's uncomfortable in some way. But, but no, we have to, to always have on the armor of God. And so we talk about this, this, this piece of the armor, having your loins girded about with truth. And I like that, that, that this is one of the first pieces of the armor that it talks about, this, this, uh, this, this, this strong belt of truth. Because we said that what this, what this, what this does, this, this girdle does, it, you know, the girdle doesn't make you stronger. You know, a lot of people think that, right? They think that when they, when they put on their workout gloves or whatever, they put on that, those, their big weight belts, that, that the, the girdle doesn't make you stronger. But what it does do is it takes the strength that you already have. And it directs it so that it can be the most effective, that it can have the greatest impact. So you have to have some strength already in you. You have to have some word already in you for the girdle to work. So the girdle, what it does is that this, this girdle, we said that a girdle is not intended to, to, um, to stop you from movement, right? It's not intended to, to prevent movement. But what it is intended to do is, is to direct that motion. You should be able, you can't say that, well, because of the, the truth of God, you know, I can't do this or I can't do that. All this gospel is, is I can't, I can't, I can't. No, it's not about the, the girdle of truth. The truth of God's words is intended to direct your energy to be the most effective. A good girdle, you don't even know that it's there. Because it's worn close to your body. Everything else is outside of it. You know, people might not, even, might not even know that it's there. They just see the result. They don't even, they don't, you shouldn't be seeing a woman's, no. you know, I don't know what these fashions are, whatever, people that, that straps are hanging all over the place and, you know, slips are out, you know. I don't even like walking around and having my suspenders showing because the, the things that are under to support, you shouldn't even see. But they should always be there. They should always be there. They should. You you know, if a brother's not wearing his belt, you know that sister's not got no. Everything is all over the place. No, 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 no. You know when it's not there, but you shouldn't see it. It should be so close to you, so much a part of who you are, so much a part of what you've adapted to. That you're not, you're not beating people over the head with your righteousness. You're not trying to hold someone accountable to your standard. And saying, well, you have to follow my rules because my way is the right way. You're not trying to convince someone that doesn't, that does, that's not even inside of the covenant. To walk in the covenant. You know, your girdle, it should always be there. But it doesn't have to be, it's not, on, it's not for, it's for you. It's not for public display. We say the truth that it's fundamental. It doesn't contradict itself. Truth builds upon truth, line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little. That the new believer, they're not going to understand as much about the truth of God 
as, as, as someone that's been studying the Word for years. But you know what? You should know, even if you haven't gone through this lesson on the arm of God, you should know that God loves and that I need to love the Lord with my whole heart, with all my strength, with all my soul. And if you know that little bit of truth, that truth builds on itself. It builds on itself and it does not contradict. The truth is fundamental. It's not, it can't be divided. It can't be split. It can't be put against itself. The truth builds upon itself. We said that the truth, the real truth, is found in the Word of God. That it's not found in your circumstances. It's not found in your environment. It's not found in your cultural history. Right? It's not found, it's not found in, you know, there, there are a lot of uh, philosophers that they would say that if you just question yourself, that if you question and question and question, that you could come to a realization of what truth is. But that's not, that's not accurate. That is not accurate. Truth is only found in the Word of God. God has to reveal Himself to you. There's no way that the creature can understand itself apart from the Creator. All the creature can do is, is, is sense what's around it. it. It doesn't even fully know what's going on inside of it. You don't even know what's going on inside of you. We talked about people that... that with this heat that's going on, it's the people will be out walking and they'll, they'll, they'll be dehydrated and they'll, they'll pass out. And they'll be like, they'll wake up and they'll be like, what happened? I didn't even know what, what happened. Because when your brain is deprived of oxygen, you don't even know it. You don't know what you don't know. The creature cannot explain itself. Only the Creator knows the purpose. Only the Creator has the intentions in mind. And we must study what the Creator has given us so that we can understand our place and our position. Truth is only found in God's Word. We talked about this breastplate. This breastplate of righteousness. We said that, that you know, in, in most cases, the breastplate in Scripture where it talks about the breastplate, it, it actually refers to the, the breastplate that the priests wore as they were preparing sacrifices and offerings before God. And, and this breastplate had the, the 12 stones representing the 12 tribes. And the priest would wear this as he was doing his service to God as a constant reminder that he was not doing service unto himself, but that the service was actually as a representative for all of the people. That, that when we think about the breastplate, the breastplate, is, it's a hard covering that's over, that's over the breast, that's over the chest area. And it's intended to guard the heart. You know, we would like to think that we can duck and that we can dodge every attack. We would like to think that, that, that we can out, outsmart and outwit. But there's some things that are just going to hit you hard. There's some things that are going to want to knock the breath out of you. And that breastplate is there to guard and to protect your heart. So that, yes, you know what? You may have had the wind knocked out of you, but you're still protected. But you're still protected. You're still protected. So, your heart is the seat of your judgment. Why is the heart so important? Your heart is the seat of your judgments. It's, it's where your values come from. Your heart is your, your, your perception and your point of view. It's, it's how, you, how you see and perceive a thing. Your heart is where your emotions are. And where your feelings are. Those things that... that that direct your actions sometimes when they shouldn't. But your heart is where you decide that this is worth it. 
And your heart is where you say, well, you know what? I need to give up. And so that's why you need to guard your heart so that the enemy is not able to come in and to play tricks on you and to deceive you and to make you think that, that because, you know, there, there's this, um, this thing in, in nature where honeybees, right? Most of the workers, they're all, they're all female and there's the queen. The men, they just have a very minimal role in the society. But the, the ones that are going out and collecting the honey and collecting the pollen, I'm sorry, collecting the pollen, they're all, they're all females. And, and the young females, they'll, they'll come and, and, and they'll encourage them to go out. And even if they just get just a little bit of, of pollen on their bodies, the older, the older bees, they will, they will come and they'll, they'll, they'll stroke and they'll, they'll show affection and they'll show love. And in that way, that way that, 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 that young female bee, she'll, she'll continue to go out. And she'll continue to go out and she'll continue to go out. And she'll work and work and work and work and work until her wings are down to nubs. And she dies underneath a, underneath a flower. And so what that's called is, that's, that, those, are, those are wiles. It's called cozening. Those are the, the deceptions, the tricks, Right? Where the world will say, well, you know what? I'll give them a little bit of money. I'll give them a little bit of responsibility. Okay, they'll, they'll come in on second shift. Well, that's good. That's good. We'll put their, we'll put their name up on the bulletin board. They're the employee of the month. You know? And they'll, 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 they'll stroke you and they'll stroke you and they'll stroke you until you work yourself and work yourself and work yourself until there's nothing left. Until there's nothing, until you have nothing left. You say, I've given 35 years, I've given 25 years, I've given 40 years to this company, and what, what have I gotten in return? In a week after you've passed, they'll even show up for the services. A week after you've passed, somebody else is in that seat that you were in. Somebody else is in that parking space. That number, that employee number has been purged from the system. Once they close out all your, all your benefit checks, that's it. That's it. That's it. Just like that, the world will, will, will coax you in. And as soon as you, you've used yourself up and expended all your efforts, the world will try to, 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 to guard, to, to take over your heart. And as soon as you've given your heart over to the world, it will use you up and there's nothing left. And there's nothing left. So we have to guard our hearts. That we're not fooled and tricked. That we're not deceived. By temporal things, by these things that are temporary and that are fleeting, and to believing that those things are eternal. You know, I know some people that they will travel, they, they, will, they will travel and pay for their own training. But if you told them, well, why don't you take some training to learn how to do something in the house of God? They say, well, you know, is, is the church going to reimburse me? People will go and buy their own equipment so that they can be more effective in the job that they do. But as soon as there's a need in the house of God, they're like, well, you know what? We need this, and I know exactly what we need, and I know what the specs are for it. I'm just waiting for the, church, for the office to write me a check for it. We, 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 we give our hearts to those things that are temporary so easily. But those things that are eternal, those things that are, that are non-ending, we put so little value in it. So we need, to, we need to have that breastplate. Righteousness 
is that breastplate. What is right? It's, it's being in right standing with God. It's being in the right position, in the right place at the right time, inside of the will of God. It's not being offsides or out of bounds, but it's being where we need to be, being effective and being productive for the kingdom. We said the righteousness, what it does, righteousness actually, you know, you don't even realize it, but righteousness, it sustains. Righteousness sustains. When you are doing what you know you're, you're supposed to do, it sustains you. It feeds you. It gives you strength beyond what you would think that you could do. A lot of people say, well, I can't do this or I can't do that. I, I need, my, I need my, my break time. I need my down time. I need to decompress. Righteousness sustains you. It feeds you. Jesus, he was, he was thirsty and he went to this fountain. And there at the fountain, there's, there's, this, this woman happens to be there. Here he is trying to get something to drink. And it's time to minister. And he ends up telling her about true worship. And after he finished telling her about her life and about what God's desire is, she went out and she told the whole town. His disciples finally caught up with him. And they said, they're like, well, well, Lord, here's something for you to eat. We found some food for you. And he's like, I'm not even hungry anymore. They said, what happened? Did somebody else take care of him while we were? He's like, the meat that I have is to do the will of the Father. It's to do the will of the Father. When Jesus was fasting in the wilderness, you know, it says that after he fasted, you know, a lot of times we read that about Jesus' temptation and apologies. You all are Bible scholars, right? You know where these scriptures are. Jesus is fasting. And after he's, after he's fasted, the, the enemy comes to, to try and, and deceive and to trick him with his wiles. But he's got... He's, he, he is righteousness. He is righteous. He knows what he's supposed to be doing. He's in the right place. In position to be effective for the kingdom. And the enemy says, turn these stones into bread. And he said, you know, we, man cannot live by bread alone. But by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. So righteousness, it sustains you. It keeps you. You know, a lot of times I said that a couple of weeks ago. And I listened to myself say it, and I was like, wow, is that really true? And even though it's, it's in scriptures, what, what this Bible says I can do, I can do. What it says I can be, I, I, I can be. I was like, well, does, it, does that mean that we're never going to get tired? Does that mean that we're never going to get frustrated? Does that mean that we're never going to wear out? No, it, it doesn't mean that at all. Even Jesus slept. But when did he sleep? Jesus was asleep in a boat while the storms were raging. While everybody else was being tossed and they were, they were confused and they were afraid, Jesus was asleep in the boat because he knew what his purpose was. He knew what God's desire for him was. He woke up for, not, not, for his, for, not for his benefit, but for their benefit. And he told us, you know, peace. Told the fellas, y'all need to be still. It caused the seas to calm down. Righteousness, it is acting inside of the will of God. That's where we find righteousness, inside of the will of God. And so we said before that truth is found in the word of God. So truth is found 
as you understand and as you learn the word of God. But righteousness is found in your actions, in your activation, in, in knowing the will of God. We said that righteousness, is, it's, what it does is it places treasure. It places treasure, deposits of treasure. As you are consistently and progressively acting in the will of God, it places deposits of treasure in your heart. And out of the good treasure of your heart, you're able to supply to other people. You're able to supply to those that are in need. And so when we look at the scripture, it says, verse 15, verse 14, it says, Stand therefore, having your loins girt, with, girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness. These are, this, these are the truth and righteousness will help us to stand. And it says, And your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And this is where we're getting to the new information for tonight. When we talk about your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, you know, this is not, so, it's kind of funny the way that we read scriptures. You know, scriptures don't, don't shift all over the place, right? The, the same line of thought is borne out throughout the scripture. And so, if we're talking about you putting on the whole armor of God, if we're talking about you putting on your, putting on the girdle of truth, you putting on the breastplate of righteousness, then why is it that when we read verse 15, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, that we immediately think, oh, okay, I need to go out and evangelize. Wait a second, we're talking about you. We're talking about you becoming effective for the kingdom. Immediately, you want to say, I want to, well, I guess this must mean I need to go out and evangelize. What this means is that peace needs to, that the gospel needs to create peace in your life so that there is stability in your actions. I often ask myself, you know, why is it that men put their hands to the work of the ministry and then draw back? You know, I, I, I was thinking at the, the hokey pokey, right? You put your right hand in, you pull your right hand out. You know, you put your hands to the work of the ministry. You put your toe in. You sign up. And then six months later, you're not even, you can't even be found. Six weeks later, you can't even be found. You know what? You put your name on a sign-up sheet, but you didn't even show up for the actual event, for the time of service. What is that all about? How is it that, that people can, can, can so easily say these things, commit these things with their mouths, but their, 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 their hands and their actions don't bear it out? And I think a, a big portion of that is because, you know, we, we want to get up. We want to we get our feet to moving and get busy and get busy and get busy. You know, but you haven't even, you haven't even girded up your loins. You haven't even pulled up your britches, tightened your belt. You haven't equipped yourself with righteousness, protected your heart. So what happens, as soon as you get out there running and ripping and running, running and ripping, you trip, you fall over the truth of God's word. Because it goes against what you want to do. You don't want to restrain yourself with truth. You want to keep on doing what you want to do. But you can't. And so you fall over the word. 
Or worse yet, somebody says something to you that you thought that you took the wrong way. Or maybe they meant to say it like that. But guess what? You don't have to respond like that. You don't have to respond like that. And immediately your heart is impacted. Why is that? Because you, you, haven't, you haven't put righteousness as your breastplate. You haven't said, you know what? I accept that correction because I am doing what God wants me to do. I accept, you know what? You can criticize me if you want to, but I'm here. I'm in position. I'm doing what God has called me to do. There's never a, an apprentice that's able to practice and able to, 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 to do their work like the master does their work. Right? But guess what? If you're never an apprentice, you'll never be a master. If you're not able to put your hands to something and accept correction and accept direction as you try to do, as you try to accomplish what God has called you to accomplish and have your heart bounded by righteousness, knowing that you are in the will of God and that it doesn't matter what the criticisms are. Give me the criticisms. Give me the correction. Because you know what? This is it's, it's the punch it, it knocked the wind out of me for a second. I got to admit, it did knock the wind out of me for a second, but I'm still here. I'm still, I'm, I'm still standing. My breastplate is on, and so, so that, that's why you haven't, you haven't put on truth as a girdle. You haven't put on righteousness as your breastplate. And then the other thing is that you haven't actually, you haven't set, you haven't set your feet. With the gospel of peace. You haven't set your direction. That this, I'm going all the way. I'm going all the way until the end. I'm going all the way to the end. You know, when I was looking up the different illustrations for what it means to have your, your feet shod with the gospel of the preparation of peace. With the preparation of the gospel of peace. I just had these, there, there were all these different images, and one of them was, was um, you know, in, in, the, in the Roman uh, times, that, that they, they, the Romans were, were famous for building roads. And, you know, if, if you were a city or a village, and the Romans built a road to where you were, that was it. That was it. Because once those Roman soldiers put their foot on that road, they were coming at you. And they were coming at you in full force. There was nothing that you... You couldn't stop their resupply routes. You couldn't stop what was going to happen. You know, another illustration that I, that, that, that I thought about is that, again, this is not my experience. I've only seen it on TV in some cases, I've seen Brother Martin do it. But on a basketball court, you'll see, you'll see these, these people that are trying to, to defend the basket against someone that has the ball. And there's some kind of a way, maybe, maybe Brother Eric knows, there's some kind of a way where, 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 where one, the, the, the guy with the ball, he can take the ball and, and bring it through his feet and... And some kind of other stuff. And, and for whatever reason, just that movement, I can't even really, it's like, it's like magic to me. But 
But that movement causes the defender who should be focusing on stopping this guy from getting to the hoop, it causes their feet to get tangled up and breaks their ankles. And now the defender is on the ground and there's a clear path to the basket. We're talking about having your feet, having your feet set, having your feet prepared. I mean, the only way to, the way to defend against that, I guess, is to keep your feet. Don't, don't get all happy with your feet. And allow your feet to be taken out from underneath you. So, when you have your feet set, you're not torn between two opinions. You're not trying to figure out, well, how can I do this my way and God's way at the same time? That'll, that'll, that'll knock you down every time. You'll, you'll break your ankles every time. When your feet are set, that means that your focus, that your focus is single. Go to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. Very familiar passage of scripture, James chapter 1, starting in verse 5. It says, If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that give it to all men liberally, and upbraid of not. And it shall be given him. So if you don't know, ask. Don't be afraid to ask. We said that the apprentice, there's no apprentice that is able to perform at the level of the master. That's why you're the apprentice. You have to know that there are things that you need to learn. So ask. Verse 6, but let him ask, in asking, ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavers is like a sea. For he that wavers is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. You know, my feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. I've set my direction. I'm going to stay within the will of God. I'm going to stay within the purpose of God. And if I get instructions that I need to come up at church and pray on Saturdays, guess what? I'm going to give up that sleep time and I'm going to come up to church and pray on Saturdays. If it means that I need to be at rehearsals during the week, guess what? I'm going to be at the rehearsals during the week. Why is that? It's not because it's comfortable. It's not because it's something that I would have chosen to do. But it's because my, my direction is already set. My direction is already set. I'm just trying to make sure that you guys can understand this. Jesus' disciples at one point, many of them fell away because he told them that they would have to, to endure hardships. They were going to have to, to, to eat his body and drink his blood. And they had no concept of what that was. But instead of asking, instead of asking, many of them fell away. And Jesus, he turned to those that were left. And he says, are 
Are you all going to leave as well? Are you all ready to pack up and go as well? And I like it because we, we, we say that, you know, we, we rag on, on, on Thomas because he, he died when Jesus rose. But he was the one that spoke up and he says that we don't have any place else to go. We don't have any place. Our direction, Lord, is set. We are with you. Our allegiance is with you. We're on your side. Whatever you say, that's what we're going to do. We have no other options. We don't have a backup plan. It's the will of God and nothing else. So when your direction is set, you don't have a backup plan. You're not, your vision is single. You're focused. Go to Psalms 119. How, do we, how does our vision become single? How do we become focused? Psalm 119. Most of you is right in the middle of your Bible. Longest, longest, longest book in, the, uh, in Scripture. We're going to look at verse 105. It says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. <laughs> I, I have sworn and I will perform it that I will keep thy righteous judgments. I have no options. I have no choice. What your word illuminates, what your word tells me to do, that is what I'm going to do. You know, I know some people like to wander around their house at night with the lights cut off. I have no, I, I don't understand those people. I don't, I, I don't. I don't. I don't feel sorry for you when you come in here with your, with your leg in a cast and, and talk about, oh, I need a scooter. No, no, no. Look. The light is there for a reason. The light is given for a reason so that you can see where to go. So that you can see how to step. The Word of God is a lamp unto our feet. He opens up our understanding so that we don't have to wonder and guess. We don't have to be as those creatures that are trying to understand and trying to figure out on our own. What is the Creator's intent? What is His purpose? He states what His intentions are. He states what His purpose is. Thy word is a, is a lamp unto my feet. And a light unto my path. Go to 2 Samuel. We're talking about getting your feet set. Being prepared. 2 Samuel. Chapter 22. Second Samuel chapter 22. I'm just going to start at verse 33. There's a whole lot here. This, 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 this prayer, this, this praise that David is, is offering up to God. But he says, God is my strength and power. And he maketh my way perfect. He maketh my feet like hinds feet and setteth me upon high places. He teacheth my hands to war so that a bow of steel is broken by mine arms. 
Thou hast also given me the shield of thy salvation, and thy gentleness hath made me great. The gentleness of the Lord makes us great. Thou hast enlarged my steps under me, so that my feet did not slip. You know, it may seem like difficult times externally. It may seem like troubling situations. But the Lord is able to enlarge the steps of his people. He's able to to make the way for, for his people so that when we step and when we walk in situations where other people might stumble, where other people might slip and fall back, that our feet are secure. That our feet are secure. I don't know if you guys have ever tried to to hike or, or walk in rocky places. Actually, you know, I don't even have to, to imagine that. In my own experience, the reason why I have a treadmill at my house to this day is because I went walking in my neighborhood before the sun was up. And we don't have good sidewalks. And after I got bandaged up from falling all over the place, I was like, you know what? I need to invest in a treadmill. Because I know where, I understand the pathway. I understand, I don't have to just focus on on picking up my feet and putting them down. I don't have to worry about the the rockiness in in the trails. Some people actually like to go running around on rocks. I don't understand those people. And I like, but I do like to watch them on YouTube because they usually they have these GoPro helmets on, and usually you see them jumping from boulder to boulder, they're having a good old time, and then boom, camera turns up. You're like, that's right. That's 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 what that's what you get. The Lord is able to make, the Lord is able to make our pathways such that even though it may seem difficult, even though there may be tests and there may be trials. That our, our steps are sure. Our steps are certain. We don't have to wonder and guess or be, or be hesitant to do what God has called us to do. We're talking about having your feet set. Having your feet set. Your feet sh- shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. You know, the gospel should bring peace to the believer. One of the benefits of the gospel is that there should be peace in the life of the believer. You know, I just know back, you know, during the holiday season in Luke, when they talk about the angel that came down from heaven and, and, and the, the shepherds were out there and said, peace, peace on earth. Goodwill towards men. You know, the gospel, the good news should bring peace. If for no one else, it should bring peace in the life of the believer. The gospel, the intention of the gospel is to bring peace in the life of the believer. And what is that gospel? The gospel is forgiveness is available to all those that believe. Forgiveness is available to all that would believe. There are no no reservations. there's, There's no sin that's too heinous. There's no past action. There's no, there's no, no present mistake. Forgiveness is available to all that would believe. Go to Ephesians chapter 1. 
We're just going to bear it out that this, when, when Paul is writing this letter, this, this, uh, this, this epistle to the Ephesians, he's bearing out the gospel and he's line upon line. Precept, he's, he's building up and he's showing them through the word, through scriptures, how this gospel is, is supposed to be presented and how it's supposed to bring peace in their lives. Ephesians chapter 1. Starting with verse 5, it says, That having predestinated us into the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. It's not for anything that we did. It's not for any, any, any rights that we could merit. To the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. He has made us. This is his work in whom we have redemption through His blood and the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. I mean, just look at the wording there. It's saying that, that this is, that we have been, it's not even by our own natural birth, but we had to be brought in. We had to be brought in from the, we had to be adopted in into this grace. And that it's not our own works, but it's, it's to the glory of His grace. And that it is, it's, it's not in and of ourselves, but He has made us accepted in the Beloved. It's not even our sacrifices. It's, it's not even what you've given up or what you think you've given up for the kingdom's sake. No, it's, it's by His blood that we receive forgiveness of sins. According to the... It's, it's all on... It's, it's, it's available to everyone. And it's all by His work, by His efforts, by His power. He has made us accepted in the Beloved. That should bring peace to some people. When you consider who you are. I'm sorry, let me... When you consider who you used to be. I'm just, you can all say, oh, I remember way back in the day, back in the day. You know, when you consider who you were yesterday... Who you were last week. Some of you all who you were earlier this evening. He has made us accepted. Forgiveness is available to us. When we would be petty and not forgive those that, that, that wrong us, that cut us off in traffic, that leave dirty clothes on the floor. Any, any number of minor infractions when we remember that He has made us, it's His work, it's His power, it's His grace. Second thing about the gospel is that God has brought all believers together in Christ. He's brought us all together in Christ. Just jump down to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 10. That in the dispensation of the fullness of time, He might gather together all in one, all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. That he, that he has gathered all things together. You know, I'm so glad that when I stand before the throne of Christ, the throne of grace, that I won't, I won't be standing there by myself. I'm not going to be standing there saying, this is what I did. You know, when I stand before the Lord, I'm going to be standing 
in Christ. Hidden in Christ. I don't know who you think I am, but in and of myself, Brother Everhart is not good enough. There'd be another, there'd be another judgment that Brother Everhart would have to stand in front of if it wasn't for Christ. That great white throne. But no, I, when I'm standing before the judgment seat of Christ, I'll be standing in Him. God will look. He's going to see Jesus. He's going to see His righteousness, His sacrifice. And I'm going to be found in Him. That should be our hope. That's the message that should bring us peace. That it is not in and of ourselves. It is not our own efforts. But it is in Christ that we are hidden. Third thing about the message is that God, He doesn't show any partiality. That we are all united in Christ. You know, I can't just say, well, I'm going to make it in. You know, I don't know about you. No, we are all united in Christ. There's no partiality. There's no differences among believers, among fellow heirs. Go to the next chapter, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19. Now therefore, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19. Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. We're no longer those that were outside of the covenant. We're no longer those that, that, that are without papers, without the proper lineage. But we, are, we have been called fellow citizens with the saints with those that God has approved of. That, you know, when I'm standing in Christ, Abraham is going to be standing with me. That what, when I'm standing in Christ, all those that believe in the faith, to the breaking of their bones, to being killed for the sake of the gospel, they're going to be standing there with, because none of us have done anything sufficient in and of ourselves outside of Jesus Christ. We are all united in Christ. This is good news. It should, it, should be bring, it should bring peace. It should bring peace to the believer. You know, this news that, that forgiveness is available to all that would believe, that God has brought all believers together in Christ, not of our own works, that God shows no partiality, but that we are all united in Christ. This news, it's universal. It applies there. It doesn't just apply to black people. Stop being afraid to talk to your white co-workers. This doesn't just apply to black people. This does not just apply to Latinos. This applies to everyone. You know what? You can talk to your Asian, to your co-workers of Asian descent because believe it or not, some of them have heard the gospel. Some of them believe in Jesus Christ. Like, well, you know, I don't want to offend nobody. Set, set your direction. Set your direction. Out of the treasure that is in your heart, you should be able to supply to anyone that is in need. 
out of the treasure that is in your heart, you should be able to supply to anyone that is in need. This gospel, it's universal. You know, it's indwelling. God doesn't, you know, I said before that God, God is not like unrighteous men. He doesn't give us this gift of salvation and just leave us to figure it out for ourselves. He doesn't go ahead, he doesn't, he doesn't make babies and then leave them to fend for themselves. And doesn't provide for his own children. No, God, God is not like that. He, he sent the comforter, it's indwelling, to perfect us. To make us into who we need to be. And it's also unifying. It doesn't create divisions. It doesn't create separations. In fact, it seeks to tear them down. It seeks to understand your position. It seeks to understand where you are. But it seeks to also communicate to you on your level what God's requirements are. What His grace has afforded us as believers. It's not seeking to argue someone down or to make points, to make myself look like I'm somebody else. No, it's, it's, it's seeking to, to understand, to empathize, but also to declare the righteous standard. The peace from standing firm in the gospel. It's the ability that we would not be overcome with rage, frustration, and depression. Now I have in my notes this word overcome. I have it, I have it in a different color and underline. I'm not saying that, that having the peace of God in your heart, that you will not have rage. That you won't have frustrations. That you won't have depressions. No, no, no. The, the peace of God allows you to not be overcome. To not be overcome by rage, frustration, and depression. You know, emotions are, are, are a strange thing. Because you feel them, and your brain is so... Your, your brain doesn't even... Your brain thinks that it's real. Your brain believes that what it's feeling is what's actually happening. Even if it's not. Even if it's not. Your brain thinks, based on the information that I have, that this is what reality is. But you know what? If you, if you give your brain some more, some more information, some more information, you know, oh, okay, I see it, I see it differently now. Oh, I shouldn't have even been worried about that. I shouldn't have been. It's like it's like me in that financial aid line. You know, I'm all frustrated and mad because I gotta wait behind all these other people to get money I didn't work for. <laughs> but as you get more and more information. Your emotions can change. So emotions, emotions are, 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 are strange. They're, 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 so, they're, so, they're like vapors. They're, they're so temporal. They're so, emotions are never a sound basis for making a decision. 
Emotions are never a sound basis for directing your actions. Because emotions think that something is real even if it's not real. Even even if it's not the case. And it's so easy that emotions can change. You get so happy that you got something new and you're all giddy and showing everybody. And two weeks later, it's laying in the corner somewhere. You're like, that, you know, new doesn't stay new long. New doesn't stay new long. You're all happy and infatuated with so-and-so. You give them liberties that you should not give them. And then you can't stand them. You can't bear to be in the same room. You can't even stand a voice. Ooh. Emotions are not any basis to, ju- to make any actions or to make any sound decisions. You need something more solid than that. Go to Ephesians chapter 4. The gospel should create peace in the believer so that we are not overcome with rage, frustration, and depression. Ephesians chapter 4. Look at verse 25. Wherefore, put in away lying. Speak every man truth with his neighbor. We are members one of another. Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down on your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. We have to continually, continually renew our minds with truth. We have to continue. That's, that's how we, we, we need to let the word light our paths. It needs to give us direction and guidance on the way that we should go. Not these, not these temporal emotions. Not these temporary feelings. We have to put away our former conversations. You know, our old direction was deceit, subtlety, guile, all in the attempt to satisfy our own lusts. We have to put those things away. We have to put those things away. The new direction that we need to head in is righteousness and true holiness. Now, what does that mean? You need to speak the truth honestly with your brother. You need to speak the truth honestly to yourself as well. You need to stop allowing yourself to paper over or cover over those things that you know need to be corrected. Saying that, well, I did good in in this area, in this area, in this area. I'm not going to talk about this other area. Let's leave, that, let's leave that alone. We'll get to that down the road. Now, you need to tell the truth to yourself. You need to tell the truth to yourself. You know, a lot of times I think that, that people, now I'm thinking about the young people in particular, I, a lot of times I think that, 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 that we become afraid. We become, we let fear have dominion, fear have rule, 
And we let fear set the direction instead of letting the Word of God set the direction. You know, we say that fear is false evidence that it appears is real. Fear of, of, of rejection. Fear that we will not be successful. Fear of failure. Fear that we'll be put to shame. There's the old saying that fear knocked at the door. Faith answered. And nobody was there. That's why the Word has to be our lamp. The Word has to direct our steps. Because otherwise we will allow... We will allow these things that are not true, these things that are emotionally based, that have no basis or no standing in the kingdom of God. You know what? It may be a fact that I don't have any money in my pocket, but the truth of God is that I am am an heir. I am an heir to the kingdom and joint heirs of Jesus Christ. The facts may be that I need help in these areas. That I'm I'm trying to do it the best way that I can. And yes, it does take me longer to do it. Yes, it's not not exactly the same way that, that the Master performs. But the truth is that I've set my direction. I've set my path. I'm not going to allow anything to take me off of that path. The believer is not mentally stressed out and wanting to quit and give up their faith. They're not ready to throw it all in and be like, I just can't do it. I just can't do it. You know, a lot of times, as my children were growing up, they would get to the point where they would ask Dad for help with the homework. And I always knew that they must, they must truly be, truly be at a place of, of, of great need when they came and asked, asked Dad for help with the homework. And I'm just a nice, friendly person. I don't know why it was such a big deal. But they, because they knew that if they, when they asked me for help with their homework, that there was, a, there was probably a good chance I was going to go beyond just what that question was. That I was going to try and probe and see, do you have an understanding of the principle? Do you have an understanding of the concepts? Did you, okay, you read the book, right? The book is in English. You understood what was written there. And... Bless their hearts. They, we, would, we, would go, we, would, we would go through. They, they, they're asking me for answers, and I'm coming back at them with questions. They're saying, you know, tell me the answer, tell me the answer. I'm saying, well, I'm asking you the questions. Because I, it's, it's something, someone is teaching it, so you must be able to learn it. It's, it's, this is not hidden knowledge. This is, this is open and exposed, right? And I would... I would, I would Push, 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 push. But I always had to be sensitive, you know. 
Tried to get it before the tears started coming. Sometimes didn't. Hey, you know. That, that, we got them to, that we got them to the point where they were able to find and do the assignments without becoming frustrated, without them giving up. And, you know, I don't know. I may, I, you, you can judge my technique any way that you want to, but my children all know that 95 and above is what I consider an A. I don't care what the school system says. And that's what they bring home. So, the believer can't be so mentally stressed out because of God's standard and his requirement. You know, I know it seems like he's pushing you. I know it seems like he's asking a lot of you. You know, you've done so much already. You've given so much already. You've sacrificed so... Can't he see... It feels like you've given from, from your reserves and what you had held back that you, that you poured all of it. Can't, can't, doesn't God appreciate that? He's, he's saying, you know, you can go tighten that, tighten that belt. Tighten that belt. Bring it in another notch. You know why? Let me tell you the truth. You have muscles that can do more than what they're doing right now. You know, we're not teaching this because we're about to go through a period of calm and ease. We're not talking about spiritual warfare because the people that flocked and filled this church in October, because they're still here. We're teaching this message because those people came in here with their mess and we're trying to make sure that your hearts have been preserved. That those professional mourners with their hang-ups that came in sowing these things, feeding on your, 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 your tenderness, trying to steal from your treasure. I'll give you anything you need, but don't, don't try and take it from me. Don't be dishonest and deceitful. Don't try and take advantage of the goodness of my heart. So those people that, that were, they, their feet were never even set. They, were never, they had not even begun to put on what you put on. And now you're seeing their examples and you're saying, well, you know. Maybe that's something, you know, I should, maybe I should think, maybe I should think about that. You know, they, they said we should go to a movie this Sunday. Kind of want to. Well, check that out. No, 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 no. Set your direction. Set your feet so that you don't become swayed and turned by these things that you see in your eyes because they're all temporary. They're like those, those emotions. They're not the sound basis. You know, an unfaithful person can't tell me how to be faithful. That's why, you know, people that we grew up with, I tell them, look, I'm not coming to your second marriage. I gave you a gift at the first one. I didn't get it back. I'm good. God bless you. 
God bless you. That's brother Everhart. He's just a hard man. This 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 girdle. It restricts me. It, it, it directs my energies into where it can be most effective. I, I don't have time for, for those that, that will not continue, for those that, 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 that are trying to find how can they do their way in God's way. If it's you want to get a, a, a master, you want to have a master lose it. It's not when you make a mistake. No, no. A master does not lose it when you make a mistake. It's when you're wishy-washy about the instruction. It's when you're sometimes about the instruction. Sometimes committed to it, sometimes not committed to it. Sometimes in it, sometimes not in it. You know, sometimes you feel like a nut and sometimes you don't. So the believer can't be mentally stressed out wanting to quit and give up. Go to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1, verse 21. And you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now have he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. If ye continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which ye have heard and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, Wherefore I, Paul, am made a minister. So I'm saying that the gospel should bring peace in the believer. It should set your direction so that you're not tossed around, that you don't rely on your instincts and your feelings and your emotions. You don't even rely on the things that you see, but you look to those things that are not seen. You look to those promises that God has made. We were strangers, but now we're sons. We need to, be, we need to continue to be grounded, settled, and not move from our hope in Christ. This way we may stand and be perfect in Christ. Go to John chapter 14. The gospel is intended to bring peace in the life of the believer, not chaos. You should remain strong and firm, even in tests and trials, where other people would have fallen, where they would have lost their feet. Who caused you to stand firm? John chapter 14, verse 26. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost from the Father, will send in my name. He shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, 
Whatsoever I have said unto you, peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, I give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. The Holy Spirit at work in a believer, he brings us peace. This is peace that goes even beyond our understanding. We were teaching the children this last Sunday about El Shaddai, about the Almighty God. And I, you know, I, I can't help. Some of you all were, were in my classes back years ago, and I always like to try and see if I can slide in something, you know, a little more for for, for the children to hold on to. Maybe if for no other reason than than ten years later. When, when they're hearing it again, they can, oh, yeah, I remember, yeah, I remember Brother Bart said that. But we talked about the Almighty God and about how God is, is strong and that he, that, that he has abilities to do in your life things that you could not even imagine that you were able to do. This is, this is in reference, El Shaddai is brought in reference to when, when uh, God t- tells Abram, he hadn't even changed his name to Abraham yet, but he tells Abraham that he's going to make him a father of many nations, and from him all the, all the nations will be blessed. But that God is able to do in you beyond what you could even imagine, and that God is able to do even beyond your imagination and beyond your lifetime, that he is, he can, he is active, and his plan is in motion. His plan is never ending, even outside of you. So, so, so you know what, God, thank you that I can put my hands and be effective. Thank you that I can say and, and see, you know, my children and, and hopefully my grandchildren. But you know what, God, I'm trusting in the God that's El Shaddai. I'm trusting in the God that, that has my great-grandchildren. I'm trusting in the God that has people... That are, that are not just in Austin, Texas, but people that are in Seattle, Washington, people that are in, in, in Las Vegas, Nevada, people that are in Berlin, people that are in Moscow. I'm trusting in the God that is able to do beyond even what I could even imagine. And that, that brings me peace. When, when missiles are flying and ships are being seized, When it doesn't seem like the, that the people want to put leaders in charge that have good sense. Like the people would rather have someone without knowledge, I think is the right way to say it, in position than to have someone, you know, than to have a godly leader. That I can't be disturbed or seek to preserve myself. Or seek to try and run away and create my own island, my own bunker to protect me and mine. No, because there's peace. There's peace in what God is doing. I know, I know that what he's doing is universal. I know that it's working in me and it's also working in believers all over this world. And I know that it's bringing us all together. This, this, this gospel is bringing peace in the life of believers. Go to chapter 16 of John. John chapter 16. Verse 33. It's my last verse. 
For these things I have spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. We can have joy in tribulation. We can have joy in tribulation. Knowing that Christ has overcome the world. You, you know, sometimes it's good for some of you all to, to, to lose a job. So that you don't put your, your faith and your trust in those things that are only temporary. Sometimes it's good when you don't get accepted into that school that you wanted to get accepted into. And now you need to make another decision. Because, you know what, you can have joy in tribulation. Because Christ has overcome the world. You're like, how am I going to walk in the purpose of God? You know what? He's able. He is able. He is able to, through his, through his word, to guide your decisions. Not your emotions. Not your emotions. Not your passions. Not your fears. Not even your, your, your pride. But his word is able to light a pathway for you. If you haven't consulted the word, try that. Try that. Putting on the armor of God is God allowing the Holy Spirit to manifest himself. To manifest himself in your life. And that's just too powerful to even get into. But the Holy Spirit, the eternal, can manifest himself in your life. You get to be a part. Of what, is, of what God is doing throughout eternity. You get to have a small portion, a piece of what God is doing. Any believer, any believer that has not put on the armor, how can you expect to endure? If you have not put on the armor, how can you expect, if you haven't put on truth, if you have not put on righteousness, if you've not put on peace as provided through the gospel, how can you expect to endure? But if you have put on the armor, stand firm. If you have put on the armor, stand. Above all, stand firm. Amen? Amen. Stand to our feet. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.